morning, say amen. We're, we're going to endeavor to uh, deliver what the Lord has laid on our heart. And so if you have your Bibles or, or phone or iPad or computer, whatever you have, or if you just want to look up here, Ephesians, the second chapter, and I want to begin at the first verse and read just a few. In Ephesians, Paul's writing by the Spirit of the Lord to the church in Ephesus. And the beautiful thing about looking at the epistles that the apostles wrote is that it is good, excellent food for all hearers. And so it's not just to the church of Ephesus there, but also to our church in this day and uh, churches everywhere. In the first verse of the second chapter, and he who worked in you, who were once dead in trespasses and sins, in which you walked according to the course of the world, this world, according to the ruler of the authority of the air, the spirit now working in the sons of disobedience, among whom we also all conducted ourselves in time past in the lust of the flesh, doing the things willed of the flesh, and of the understandings, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as the rest of them. Verse 4, But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even we being dead in sins, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace are you saved by grace are you being saved, rather, and raised us up together and seated us together in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. I want, if you would, go with me to back to 1 Corinthians and the uh, a few verses here, the sixth verse, 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter, excuse me, and the, and the ninth verse down, sixth chapter, ninth verse, 1 Corinthians. Or do you not know that unjust ones will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be led astray. I, th I think that's something that maybe we need to, to be aware of right there. Do not be led astray. The apostles had a fear, a concern rather, that when they were gone, that there would come wolves among the sheep leading them astray from the pure doctrines. And so you'll find this sort of here and there in Paul's writing, some of the apostles, don't be led astray, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor abusers, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous ones, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor plunderers shall inherit the kingdom of God. And some were these things, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and in the spirit of our God. Lord, this morning, we just want to bring what you've laid on our heart and from the scripture. Lord, you have so touched us already, and we have just felt your goodness, your mercy. And when we sing that, because of your great mercy, Lord, it's because we know of your mercy. And we thank you so much. Lord, we ask you now that you would just minister by your word, minister as we attempt to preach. We do our best to bring the word of God, that it will fall on good ground this morning. And we thank you, Lord. And everyone said amen. If it had not been for the Lord on my side, tell me, where would I be? If it had not been for the Lord, where would I be? I want to talk about that a little bit this morning. And just, we're going to take a, a you know, maybe a, a trip down memory lane just a little. But by this time, most of us have forgotten where we were headed and what we would have become. We've been around church long enough that, some of us have been in church for, oh my goodness, 
most of our life, all of our life, some 40, 50 years, and some are just getting started. Them only been around about 20 years. And some have just been newly born. And what happens to us typically is that sometimes we just, we just begin to forget some of the things. Now, Paul, Paul writes these things so that it will jog our memory. There's a, an importance of knowing where we were from and where we were going and where we are right now and where God has taken us. And I'm, I'm looking forward to great things in the Lord. Can you say amen? I don't believe God's done with any of us. I don't believe he's done with us as a body. I don't believe he's done with us as individual people. God is still working on us. And because he's always working on us, there's always something relevant to the Christian walk and the Christian life. You know that we come every Sunday, and it's our attempt to, to stir you. It's our attempt to, to try and move you towards the Lord, to, to encourage, to strengthen. And sometimes we even... We even get into an area that we call correct or rebuking it and, and not to, to try and isolate people and hurt them. But, but it's our attempt as pastors and preachers to spur people on that they will, they will walk in the Lord. And, but sometimes what happens is that we forget where we were from. And so Paul does give us this this morning. And, and I've, I've made this quote a few times and, and I know that some of our other brothers have. Uh, sin, sin will always, sin will always take you farther than you ever wanted to go. And sin will always keep you there longer than you ever intended to stay. And sin will always cost you more than you expected to pay. Now, those are all call words and, and just, you know, maybe a little bit poetic and but there have been brethren down through the years that have used that, that statement and have believed that statement and ultimately got caught up in the sin and didn't take heed to the very statement that they were using. There's, there's one man that I can remember just recently this last year has passed away, and he used this, and his, his name pops up. If you go to this statement, his name pops up about sin will always and. He used it in his ministry, but the problem was is that he got caught in the very thing that he was talking about. So it's possible for us by not realizing where we are and what God has done that sin can creep up. Sin creeps up unaware. Can you say amen? Sin's power is deceit. Sin does not come and take you over. That's not what it does. The devil does not have power to take us out of the hand of the Lord. If he did, none of us would be here today. He doesn't possess that kind of power, and neither does sin have that kind of power over your life. But sin is deceitful. Sin begins a little, a little here, a little there, and pretty soon it takes you farther than you wanted to go. That's what sin does. It's deceitful. It's lying propaganda. It lies to you. It says one thing, but really it's another. And people who have been serving the Lord for years can get caught by the power of sin's deceit. But there's something about sin that we always know. Sin has no lasting satisfaction or fulfillment. Sin for a season. Sin feels right. It feels good to the flesh. It feeds us. We like it. And we draw pleasure and enjoyment from sin. But sin comes with remorse. Sin comes with regret. Sin comes with ruination of our life. Sin and its effects on our life are not worth it. Sin does not satisfy you. Sin does not fulfill your life. If sin fulfilled your life, there would be no such thing as drug addicts. They wouldn't need to go back anymore. If sin fulfilled, there would be nothing called an alcoholic because just one drink, one try of sin 
would be all that they needed. There wouldn't be people of, of sexual addictions and fornicators and fornication going on because just that one time would be enough. But sin demands that you follow it over and over and over because there is no lasting fulfillment and satisfaction in sin. Those who love money, I always find it amusing to me. What is the line that, that you want to get to? And, and people want to be a millionaire, and they become a millionaire, and that's not enough. They want to go on to many millions and hundreds of millions, and, and then billionaires. Do you know that a, that a billion dollars is a thousand million dollars? What? would you do with a thousand million dollars? But people who love money are not satisfied with a thousand million dollars. They're looking for two thousand million dollars and five thousand because sin is deceitful. The love of riches. Jesus talks about it. The deceitfulness of riches and sin. It causes us to be like a fly that's caught in a web and is struggling to get out, can't free itself, can never seem to get loose, and in fact, it will settle in to that web, and then ultimately, the spider comes down and consumes that fly. And I want to let you know this, that at the end of sin, church, that the end of sin is a consuming by the power of sin, and hell and death do await the sinner. There are those who understand that concept and but yet are taken by its ploy and caught up and can't seem to get away and can't seem to get out. There are some that come to the Lord for forgiveness but really don't want the life Christ gives. Don't want the born again experience. And I've been one, a preacher that believes that God will forgive sin if you ask him to do it. I believe God would require us to forgive. He would be the greatest forgiver of all. And there are folks, and I've prayed with them right in the front of the church, tears coming down their face, wanting their sin forgiven, and we pray about that only to go back out and live the same old way that they were living. Without that born-again experience in Christ Jesus, you may get your sin forgiven, but it's not enough. There's something waiting for you, and it's called the Christ life. Uh, Jesus verified this idea of somebody being forgiven and cleaned when he said that an evil spirit that comes out of a man said it will go and it will travel in dry places and then ultimately be looking for a place to settle in. And when it comes back to that man and finds that that man is still empty, he will get some of his worst partners and they will come and abide in that house. It doesn't do you any good to get forgiven. It's not about forgiveness. It's about the life in Christ Jesus. And so we can preach forgiveness and forgiveness, but, but people will never get over their sin just being forgiven. Somebody say amen. Well, if I can just be forgiven, things will be better. No, you'll never get over your sin nature with forgiveness. There has to be a power from on high that touches your life, that changes you from the core of your inside, that makes you born again and new and fresh and alive in Christ Jesus. Can the church say amen? I think there's only one safeguard for the devil coming back in your life. So I went down and I prayed, and I know that God forgave me. You hear a lot of song, Christian songs about that, and that's good. That's a good thing. We all like to be forgiven, but there's only one thing that will keep sin from re-inhabiting your life, and that is being filled with the Spirit of Jesus Christ in your life. That's the only power that can turn sin away from your vessel. So we looked in this text reading this morning, and and let me just elucidate a little bit 
on this. It says that we walked at one time, in times past in our life, we walked according to the course of this world. You think about the course of this world and it looks like that that's what we're here for. We're here just to live our life, do the best we can, get the best job that we can get, make it as easy as we can on ourselves, and ultimately at some point in our life we'll be done working and we can retire and we can enjoy our golden years. And my dad tells me that the golden years aren't so golden. Because now you're run down and now you're tired and you're retired. But there is a, there's a spance there that, that we believe that, that that is still good before we get too old to enjoy those things. And so we look for retirement. But that's not why we're here. That's walking according to the course of this world. Running by the standard of this world. And what the world thinks that we should do. But I want to look to what God thinks that we should do. It's not the rationale of knowledge and education that's going to take us anywhere in this life. And we may get a better job through education. We may get some, some opportunities through education. That might help us a little bit. But you're not here in this life to be educated. You could be the dumbest person on the face of the earth and have the most contentment in Christ Jesus and know that you know that you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and that's far greater than any education stance that we could have in our life that would elevate us and take us in the course of this world. See, the course of this world says forget faith. You don't need faith. You just need to get out there and earn it and do it and get your advantages in this life. What's owed to you? What's coming to you? Let's just get faith out of it altogether. And that's walking according to the course of this world. Now let me ask a question. I'm going to get some, some volunteer answers here this morning. How many of you walked according to the course of this world? Five, six, seven. Oh man, I've got a group to preach to this morning. Great participation there. Number two, we walked according to the ruler of the air or the atmosphere and the spirit of disobedience. We got two things going. One, the course of the world. Maybe you didn't know. Maybe you don't know anything about the Lord. Maybe you don't know about his word. You don't know about his principles. You know nothing about the Christian life. But now we have a second class of people, and these people are aware. These are people that know what God is about. They know what church is about. They know what grandma was about and preaching to them. And they know about being raised maybe when they were kids in church. And, and really this group of people are those who knew, but they became disobedient. In order to be disobedient, you have to have heard the command. You can't be disobedient to a command that you have not heard. And so it's called rebellion. Rebellion in our hearts. We walked according to the ruler of the atmosphere. And he is totally rebellious against the things of God. That's what we walked after. That's what we pursued in our life. We just didn't want to hear. We didn't want to obey. In fact, we wanted to disobey. And the spirit of disobedience was all over us. And we lived and walked after that. And I would say this morning, how many people here this morning were raised by somebody that taught you better and you just went and did it anyway? That's a good place to raise your hand right there. Raised in a pastor's home, raised in a Christian home, walked away, just want to do what you want to do. And according to the power of the air, the ruler of darkness, walking away in the spirit of disobedience, and then I'm going to touch on one where nobody can put their hands in their pocket. But we conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, driven by desire, driven by passion, driven by selfish wants. In other words, the world was about us. 
I don't care about other people. I don't know what they're doing. But here's what I'm doing. I'm getting what's coming to me. I'm getting what's mine. I'm going to advance myself. I'm going to get ahead of other people. And I have certain desires in my life that I'm going to fulfill. There are certain things I'm, I'm looking for the, 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 the prizes in this life. And my flesh wants to be fed. My flesh wants to feel good and, and do the things that I want to do and pursue the things that I want to pursue. And I'm not even going to ask for hands right here because I want to tell you this morning that every one of us was in that place where we could say, yes, that was me. Yes, I was pursuing after my own desire what I wanted to have in my life. And, and then Paul goes on to say this, this is what sin looks like on display. He starts with fornication. And I don't mean to, to, to get you know, nasty talking here this morning. But I do want to tell you this. There's a problem in the church with fornication. The Greek word is pornai. Guess what the illicit pictures and, and, and dirty stuff that's on your phones and on your computers and it's called porn because it comes from this word. This word is a connection to lead you to fornication and it's rampant in the church everywhere and, and if you are guilty this morning God help you and God change your life but it's all across the nation, all across this world that, that men and women are falling prey to this garbage and, and bringing you right back to the place where you were. Don't think you can get by with it. Don't think that God looks the other way because this sin is a destroyer. It will take your mind. It will take your life. Don't allow it. Don't, don't, don't give heed to it when you see it around us and it is around us. Turn away. Turn it off. Turn your head. Go another direction because it's a lie from the pit of hell and it's there to bring you back to the place that you were. Can the church say amen? Sin on display, idolatry. Well, I didn't really have any idols in my life, really. Really, all those sports teams and, and athletes that we worship because they can take a ball and throw it through a hoop, because they can run down a field and catch a pigskin. Those guys are filthy living people. They are dirty. They're drunks. They're fighters. They're brawlers. And here we are idolizing them before our children. We need some examples for our children. But it's not the world's example of a bunch of devils. We need to find some people, some men of God, and say, Hey, look, you need to be like that guy. You need to look like that guy. You need to walk like that guy. The church has taken its, its, its mode of dress and conduct from people who are coming out of the hood. They're gangsters. They're drug addicts. And, and we want our children to look like them. No, let's dress them up like godly people. Can somebody say amen? It's just another way, another road, another bridge to get right back from where we came from. Somebody recently talked about burning those bridges. The next one is adultery. Oh, my goodness. You know, that's not, no, that has nothing to do with the church. That has nothing to do with the people of God. And why do you think the divorce rate in the church is just as bad as it is in the world? Because of unfaithful men and women who will not listen, who will not hear the word of God. This is what sin looks like. Let me give you a picture of the next thing that sin looks like. Effeminate men. Now there are men rising up who are not even Christian based. And they're saying that, that, uh, that masculinity is, is being stripped from men and, and no longer are they looking like men. They're looking like sissies. They're treated like sissies. But he said this. I saw a man the other day. He said, women 
don't want sissies. They want real men to stand up. And I'm going to tell you something about the Lord. The Lord's not looking for sissies. The Lord is looking for men to stand up and not be effeminate and not be soft and not be cushy. Hey, you're not going to be soft and cushy and make it in this Christian walk. You're going to have to be tough. You're going to have to be hard. You're going to have to be calloused in order to make this life in Christ Jesus. Oh, that's good preaching. Tell you what sin looks like on display. It looks like what's sweeping this country, homosexuality. And I've heard enough of the Christian, so-called Christian people who, we just need the love. We just need, you know, to embrace other people in other ways that they are. I'm not embracing sin. I think you see that this morning. I'm not up here to embrace sin. I'm up here to call it out as the killer. Paul would get up and say to the Corinthian church, which was having a time with the world, the most fleshy church that he would have to time and time try try and bring them back into order. If he would say to them, homosexuality does not belong in the church. It may be going on in the world and maybe we can't do a thing about that, but we can do something about it entering into the house of God. Homosexuality is not welcome in the people of God. So, well, that's, you know, that's offensive, Pastor. You know, we just need, people just need to get saved. Yes, they need to get saved, but they cannot integrate into the church. It will corrupt the church. It will corrupt the morals of the church. It will corrupt those that lead the church and ultimately the message of the church. And we're not going to start it even back there. God said it's wrong, and it's wrong. And we're not going to deal with it other than being just open sin. Exactly what it is. That's what sin looks like. Stealing, thievery, taking what isn't yours, lying about it and covering it up. That's what sin looks like. If somebody gets in your stuff and steals it, you feel corrupted, don't you? You feel violated. Somebody gets in your stuff and we had it a while back. They broke into the church. They stole. I didn't have anything in there, but they stole Ronnie and Carrie and, and Heather and Austin and stuff. They had some stuff in, in one of the buildings. They got in there. They took everything, man. They looked through the door, drawers. They were looking for, for anything they could find um, having to do with uh, credit cards or any, any uh, you know, stuff that, would, that, that they could somehow get online and figure out their, their numbers of things and, and try and... They felt so violated when they went in there. All the stuff's laying all over everywhere, and you just feel violated. Hey, I hate the idea of somebody stealing from me. And listen, I hate the idea of the devil coming in to the house of God and stealing the good things of God and the morality of God and and the beauty of the things of the Lord and the purity of God and making it something other than it was. Thievery is an open display of sin. Covetness. Wantonness. I want what somebody else has. What I have is not good enough. I want what they've got. And I've heard this. I've heard this saying. It never did register very good with me. I'm trying to get the stuff. Uh, God has has ordered it that we're going to receive the things that the world has. What the world has put in store is going to come to the church. That's nothing but straight covetousness. You don't get what that man earned. You don't get what he's laid up. God's got a better treasure for you, and it's not their money. I'm not looking for the wealth of the wicked. I'm not looking for that influence. I'm looking for God to pour out something in his house that's better than the wealth of the wicked. It exceeds whatever the wicked has. Can you say amen? One of the sins that's on open display is alcoholism. Let's just add drugs with that, okay? It's the same thing. Somebody said not long ago, was talking to a certain individual, 
and said, this is the only church that I've ever been to that the leaders didn't drink. And has been in some churches, in some bigger churches, and was a minister in some groups, youth ministries, and all the pastors drank, and all the elders drank. I know a young man right now that won't serve the Lord because his dad and all the ministers around him, they'd go out on their vacation times and drink and get away from people and drink and he doesn't believe there's really any reality in serving Jesus Christ. And I'm here to say this morning that that's a lie. We're going to preach it. Thank you, Brother Aaron, for the many times that I've sat in that class and you said, I used to be a drinker, but God saved me. And I used to be involved in that stuff, but God saved me. I'm, I'm not preaching that it's okay to drink this morning. I'm not preaching. Well, somebody said, if you just have one sip, I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is abstaining from alcohol and drugs. Keeping a right mind, a pure mind, a, a straight mind, a holy mind before God. And I have a hard enough time without being confused with that stuff. Can you say amen? Tell you what sin looks like on open display. The last two there, they say a different wording in the King James, but it really is, it really is physical abuse and verbal abuse. No, that's become oh so large now. You know, bullying and I don't understand how you can bully somebody on the internet. When all they have to do is go click, and you're done bullying. I see it ending up in court now. People that are bullied on the internet, they're just bullied on the internet. But it's going on. You know that it's all around us. It's open sin, verbal abuse. And I, and I warn you, husbands and wives, don't abuse each other verbally, even though you're not taking your fist and hitting each other. It'll lead you in the wrong direction. It will lead you to sin. It won't lead you to goodness. Don't get physical. I mean, there are times that, oh, the Lord help us. Amen. I had to back the boys off there the other day. A guy tried to bump me with his truck, and they got mad. And I, I had to say, boys, no, hang on. I both of them. And, uh, and myself, trying to hold myself back. And, but getting involved in in. And physical abuse is, 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 is sinfulness, and that's what the world is about. Trying to draw a picture of what you see that should not be seen in the church, but it's obvious in the world. Used to have a youth leader that his wife once in a while would come to church with a black eye. I just figured she fell down too many times. Don't use that one again. Oh, he is working her over. You think that kind of stuff is, doesn't find itself around the place of God and the house of God? It does. But I tell you that, it's open sin. It's a picture of the other side. And then Paul says this, and some of you were involved in these things. And all were involved. All were involved in the lust of the flesh. Man, I look back and how many here this morning would like to change? If I could just change, Lord, if you let me change just two or three things, it'd be, it'd be good. I really need to change about 50, but, but if I could just change two or three major things in my life, that would be a wonderful thing, right? And you look back at that life, and I'm trying to paint you a picture of disgust this morning. I'm trying to paint you a picture of what we were. Paul said, that's what we were. And I don't care if you fell into every category of that. That's what you were. 
It doesn't matter how mean you were, how much you ran around, how much you you showed open display of of all your your selfishness and, and ignorance towards God. None of that matters now because there's a there's a little something that comes between what was and what is, and it's called but. But but God, but there's a stopping place. Listen, but is the word that stops an aforementioned progression and then by introducing a new contrasting position and also the Greek word Allah, rather or otherwise, but you were washed. But you were washed. Thank God. Hey, Listen, we were a mess. We were in the pig pile and we were in the slop of the world. And it doesn't matter if you were in it feet level, knee level, hip, or you were up to your neck in it. Thank God that's who we were, but we're not that anymore. But we were washed. We're washed. We're God took us out of the slop of this world and washed us down by the power of his spirit and regeneration in our life. So I don't care who you were. I don't care what you were involved in. You're washed now. He said, man... Come, let us reason together, though though our sins were scarlet. He, he's washed the garment this morning. Can you say amen? The good thing about being in the Lord's thing is that you're wearing a clean garment. It's not stained with the world and the past sins that you were in. And you were in them, and I was in them. But thank God, but God, hey, listen, you were washed first thing. And then you were justified in the name of Jesus And to be justified again, that's to be freed from the penalty of sin. Thank God he washed me and I no longer have to pay for my sin. He has justified me. Now I'm free from the penalty of sin. I'm free. Don't come to me and tell me that I'm going to pay for my past sin because I've been washed and I've been justified in the name of Jesus and the Spirit of God. Wow. He's got one more step. And this vest is getting a little tight. But you were sanctified. And what does that mean, Pastor? Well, I just put on some holiness in my life. No, the word sanctified, justified means that you don't pay. You're free from the penalty of sin. Sanctified means you're free from the power of sin. Thank God you were a sinner, but you're not a sinner. I'm not a sinner saved by grace. The sinner is back on the other side of grace. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ saved by grace. And I walk it and I live it and I move it in it because that's who I am and that's who God made us to be can you say amen oh I love this because it says but but God who is rich in mercy so we see a a pile of filth over here and we see no way to get clean we see no way to walk right anymore we've blown it now we've messed up our life we're going to forever be a mess. Our family's messed up. Our home's messed up. We've messed our reputation up. We've just made a mess out of our life. But in between us and holiness is God standing there. But God, who is rich in mercy, thank God for his mercy. You didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. But thank God for his mercy this morning. God, who is rich in mercy through the great love which he has loved us, even we being dead in trespasses and sins has made us alive in Christ Jesus. That's a hope we have. There it is in a nutshell. Well, you know, I, I, I want to talk about heaven. Let's don't talk about heaven. 
I want to talk about all the good things God can do for me and, and, and the good, good promises and, and all the stuff he can do. Let's don't talk about that. Let's talk about one main thing. But God who was rich in mercy saved your life. Your miserable life that was going the wrong direction. You were dying. You were lost in your trespasses and sins. And then just shortly after that, it says, God showed, he commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us to receive that mercy and grace and justification and sanctification to be washed by the power of Jesus Christ. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. You were lost and dead in your trespasses and sin. But thank God that he came along at one point and one juncture in my life that I listened to him and received him. And now I am washed and I'm clean and I'm justified and I'm sanctified. Can the church say amen? Now ain't that what it's all about? That's why we're sitting here this morning. I hope that's why you're sitting here this morning. You're not here because we sing good. I don't know. We've heard some good singing. I like that choir. Man, they sing good. I used to sing better, but I have preacher voice now. And, and so it doesn't come out like I want it to. I think it's coming out that way, but it's not. I hope you didn't come here this morning just to fill a pew and go home and say, I went to church. I hope you came here this morning to thank God for that great mercy. Wow. So we look at where we are right now and where we would have been had we continued down the road of sin. Have you ever thought about that? Where would I be right now if I had continued down the life that I was living? Well, let me tell you, you would have been one of those that you could clearly see what sin looks like. Broken home, broken life, broken future, and hell to look forward to. But God, thank God, he's rich in mercy. Can you say amen? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So being washed and justified and sanctified is not over. The process of salvation is alive and working on us and in us and through us. The King James Version says it this way and closes the door, by grace are you saved. The literal Greek says, by grace you are being saved, which is a little bit different. For we are his doing, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God predestined that we should walk in them. Do you believe in predestination? Absolutely. I don't believe in predestination that says that God has selected some people and others he's selected them to go to hell. I don't believe that business. But I believe that God ordered some things and predestined some things. And we're walking in that predestination of God right now. And that is we were created in Christ unto good works that we should walk in them. And I know last week we talked about this thing about, about is the Christian life, is there merit, is there, is there like things that, that you do and there's a response by God because you do. And yes, the answer is yes, there is a reaction according to how we act. We are walking out the Christ life. When we're walking out the Christ life, we don't give occasion to return back to the old life. We sing that song, I'm not going back, I ain't going back. You know, I ain't going back. And, and I'll chime right in there and sing that with you too. But if you're not walking the Christ life, you are going to go back. And that's a problem. You can sing that. You can be, I heard Ravi Zacharias speak when I was down at, at, at Brooklyn Tabernacle. And he got up and he was one of the speakers that morning. But Ravi 
Ravi was not walking the Christ life. He was talking the Christ life, but he was not walking the Christ life. And if you don't walk the Christ life, you're going to return to the old life. But if we walk with his mind in us, and we just preached a whole month about let this mind be in you, why would we, why would the apostle even address that? Why, why would we talk about that? Because if you have the mind of Christ in you and you have the works of Christ in you and through you, there's none occasion for you to stumble and to go back. And we are complete in him. Now you want to talk about finished work. He's doing all the finished work on me. Can you say amen? First he built the building. And then uh, he set about to do the finish work on me. I think he's still putting some of the molding in place. Know what I mean? Kind of trimming the doors out a little better and getting some things looking just right in my life because he's, he's doing the finish work on us. And when he finishes, wow, I just hope it's to the glory of the Lord. What is, it, what, what is it the scripture said? It's, it's not the house that gets the glory. It's the builder that gets the glory. I saw somebody recently, they were advertising the sale of their house by such and such builder. This house was built by such and such person, and, and it was some years ago. And I didn't recognize the builder. It was somewhere local. And, but to them, that meant this was a, a great house. I just want the Lord to look at me. I want my wife to look at me. I want my children and my grandchildren and everyone that we have any influence with, our friends, our loved ones, our church body. I just want them to look at me and say, it's, it's not Rod who built himself, but it is God who has completed a work in us. Can you say amen to that? And so I know where I would be if it had not been for the Lord in my life. Lost and out there just doing my thing, but thanks be unto God. Thanks be unto God. Can the church say that this morning? Thanks. Thanks be unto God. Thanks. Thanks be unto God. Thanks unto God this morning. Hallelujah. You know, I'm going to stop with this. You only got a 45-minute sermon this morning. I, I tell you, you're so lucky. So lucky. 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter, 17th verse, most of you know this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, not if anyone asked for forgiveness, not if anyone came to church a few times. No, no. That's not. If anyone is in Christ, that one is a new creation. Have you ever sat in prayer and just said, Lord, I don't deserve. I just don't deserve even to be called one of the people of God. That's an age-old problem with the church. The great apostle who wrote most of the New Testament said, I'm not even worthy to be named among the brethren. And he realized what he was and what he would have been. And he's thanking God for what he is. For I'm his creation. If any man be in Christ, any woman be in Christ, they're a new creation. Listen, old things have passed away. And not just your actions. All of your old life is gone. All that mess, the pig pen, the world, the, the desires of running after your flesh, it's gone. It's passed away. It died. And you're alive in Christ Jesus. And behold, all things have become new. And all things are of God. Can you say amen? Isn't that beautiful? There isn't anybody in this church this morning that doesn't know exactly what I'm talking about here today. The reward of of just allowing the Lord to, to run and do what he wants to do in our life is just, it is just so wonderful. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord.
Amen. Let's, let's pray a little bit about it right here. Lord, we just thank you. We just thank you, Lord. Oh, God, we just, you know, it's not that we want to look back at evil and where we were, Lord, but it, Paul said we were some of that. We were part of that mess. Oh, that, that's, that's, what, that's what he said. But sometime in the past, we were there. We were part of that mess, but, but thank you, Jesus. Lord, that's why we come and worship you every Sunday morning. That's why we live our life and try and live it and walk before you and walk worthy before you, Lord, because of the great love wherewith you have loved us. It's not because we loved you, because you loved us first. And we just thank you for it this morning, Lord. I believe this church, we all feel it this morning, Lord. You've been so good to us. God, in your great mercy, we thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet with us this morning? And we're just going to do a song. Give me any key. Right? Give me G. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me. Great salvation, so rich and free. Come on, everyone, sing it. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. I want to thank, thank you, Lord, for making me whole. this morning brothers and sisters in the Lord before you go out of this place shake somebody's hand hug somebody's neck bless them because we're of the same family the same Lord the same Christ is dwelling in every one of us amen God bless you this morning don't forget six o'clock out at the end of the street we'll be waiting for you Bonfire service, a salvation so rich and so 